This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? Uh, well, I have a very special thing I'm going to do here, and let's hope it goes well. Wait, you're going uh, off script already. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! <laughs> oh, so... Oh, it's been a year! How it's, did we do this? Right? Um, Holy it's crap. been a year. Neither one of us has killed the other. There, no. there have been some close calls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's a good thing that we live in separate states. I That's, mean, you're not too far for me to drive and kill you, I guess, if I really wanted to. Right, strap on a diaper like that uh, astronaut and just go for it. <laughs> Why is there not a Lifetime movie about that? Right? For real, though. Man, now all of a sudden I'm like, for our anniversary, we should instead write our own Lifetime movie that we wish were a thing. So. Oh my gosh, and then we can get on here and like act it out. Right? We can get all the all of Cordonia to do it with us. And, um, we can and all Do- have a part. Dr. Sarah can reprise her role. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best oh well um, well if you are a member of our patreon this week's episode is just going to be us talking about ooey gooey stuff like how much we love each other and also some murders well and in that order mm-hmm. um so stay tuned for that it's going to be a good time so we made it through christmas we made it through New Year's. Both of us survived. Barely. I survived. <laughs> That's. I mean, I'm I'm blonde now, but I did survive. <laughs> I love your blonde hair, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Look, you know a girl's going through something. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I survived, but I did also dye my hair blonde. So maybe I'm not thriving quite yet. <laughs> well, I will take the thriving. Hurrah. You, you can... know what? This year, though, 2020 is the year that nobody gets to walk all over me anymore. I've already told somebody off today and I won't do it again. Good for you. I have my fucking patriarchy sweatshirt on I and see I have that. My, my favorite season is fall, the patriarchy candle lit that my sister got me for Christmas. It's a whole new me. New year, new me. I like it. <laughs> oh, so I was at my friend's house last night. And A, I didn't know he listened to, to us, so that was an interesting surprise. Oh, but he told shout me by out telling to me, friend. Yeah, he told me by telling me how much he likes you. So once again, <laughs> my friends like you better than <laughs> <laughs> It's because they don't He's like, actually... man, your co-host is so funny. I like him so much. Yes. Damn. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, so it's because I'm exotic. They don't know me. Like they know you, so the new has rubbed off. <laughs> After about three days, I'm obnoxious as hell. I know I've met you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we made it exactly one year. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. No. The worst you part know is, I, is I know it's true. And people don't like people always give me a weird look when I'm like, look, I'm a whole lot of person. So like in small doses, I'm hilarious. I'm the life of the party. After four days in a row of me demanding to be the life of the party, because that's the human being I am. People are like, can you fucking stop? The answer to that is no, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, so, and that's where we kind of clash, is because I also take up all the space in the room. So, um, 
you know. So instead, we just learned to play off of each other. It's true. And now we have this beautiful show that has lasted a whole year. An entire you year. You are welcome. So can you, like, do you remember when you just kind of offhandedly was like, you was like, man, I've been <laughs> out, of, out of school for a while. When, he teaches English to your children. <laughs> oh, hopefully not your children. If I teach your children, turn this off right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Have you done it yet? I'm waiting. <laughs> um, no. Do you remember when you just kind of offhandedly were like, we should start a podcast. And then because my ADHD fixation is a thing, I had like, okay, well, I can record on this and we can do this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we were releasing a, a preview episode and we were like, the fuck did we just do? How, yeah, I don't even remember how that happened, but it did. And I'm, I'm glad it did. I had, a, I had the website bought and set up before we had anything recorded. Like, I know. God. You were like, hey, we're going to do that. And then like the next day we came up with the, the premise that, and the next day we came up with like the name and then you were like, okay, I bought the URL. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's happening now? But it's good. Cause you keep me like on track. I'm glad. Cause I get distracted. Like I see something shiny and I'm like, Ooh, what's that? See, and that's me sometimes, but I really do exhibit both sides of ADHD. So like <laughs> there are days that I fixate and I become obsessed with something. So like I, you know, just on a whim decided that I wanted to get my doctorate. And so now I'm like, okay, I've got to get my five classes finished for my certification. And then I'm looking at five schools for my doctorate because I th had just the thought that I might want to get it. So now I have right? to. Mm -hmm. I get that. I totally get that. Um, so can I tell you how excited I have been all week for this case? Tell me. You pointed out, whenever you offered it to me the entire month of December, you pointed mm -hmm. out that I had chosen everyone but this one. And yep. it really was, I was pacing myself because I knew that it was going to butt up to our anniversary, but I didn't think it would mm -hmm. work out so serendipitously that it would be on our anniversary episode. Um, I know. This is one of those big cases that I followed in real time. Mm -hmm. And like kind of had like red threads on the wall with a million tacks like well i followed this one but i mean i must have amnesia or just listen to too many true crime podcasts or something because like i forgot a lot of the details in this and i was watching this movie today and i was like oh shit i forgot that happened like what the, this is this case is fucked I, up when <laughs> was this movie made this movie was made in Ooh, ooh, ooh. I meant to look it up, but so the ending text talks about them being tried again. So it's before everything was resolved, but okay. this was made in 2011, but then they talk about oh. stuff that happened in 2013. So they must've added to it later. Yeah. Because I mean, even more stuff came out this year, like 2019, like a year yeah. ago. So it's, also nightmare how bizarre world. that, January 24th, 2019 was almost a year ago. Like, I feel like 2019 cannot be over yet. I I don't know what's happening. I barely know what day it is. Right. Um, well, then, now that we've talked about ourselves for a good long minute, and really that's why everyone's here, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. And this is a new year, new us. New year, new me. I'm not, no longer a doormat. 
feels good. Can we make that our t-shirt? No yeah. longer a doormat? Hashtag no longer a doormat. Perfect. I'll give you an update every week on what I've done to not be a doormat. Yes. <laughs> that can be that can be our special because we really like dropped off having a lifetime movie of the week. Mm-hmm. We can now say how we were empowered. We can call it. Yes. We'll call it our empowerment segment, not. Yes. Well, let's, we're going, we're going into 2020 positive. Mm. Now it's only January. So February will be negative again, but let's have this whole month. Empower after an hour of talking about murder. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So what did, what did we, what are we, since you're so excited, what are we doing this week? Oh yeah. This week, I don't know what the movie title is, but the case we're doing is Amanda Knox. Uh Uh-huh. Amanda Knox. And we will say the words Foxy Noxy approximately one million times. And then I'll jump off my balcony because I hate it. You will say it. Paul will not say any of that. Oh, I have to say it because it, they say it in this movie about a million times. It's awful. Um, I hate it. It's already canceled. Sorry. I literally hate it. <laughs> I, I I hated it when it was going on and they were calling her that. And I still hate it now. So <laughs> that is where I stand on that issue. So, yeah, this week I watched Amanda Knox, Murder on Trial in Italy. They really stretched hard for this title. They did. They reached. They reached. They uh, they they uh, got in the old noggin they, to figure something good I out. Just, I just want to know what titles they workshopped through to get to this one. Look, I guarantee you they workshopped Foxy Noxy for a few minutes, at <laughs> least. Guaranteed. Well, if that was the only other option, then yes, I like this one. Mm. Um, it stars Hayden Panettiere as Amanda Knox. I know who she is. Yes, you do. And I'm, she's been in movies before that we've covered, so I'm not going to go through her whole IMDb. I will just hearken you back to our episode entitled Lies My Mother Told Me. I forgot she the, was in that. The Aaron Keith story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I told you we're going to be positive in 2020. We we are 10 minutes into our recording and you lost it. We're being positive, but I can't ignore facts. Fair. Just facts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It also stars Marcia Gay Harden, who's also been in one of our movies. One of our very first episodes. Um, Yeah, she plays Edda Mellis. She's Amanda's mom. Okay. Um, and she was in, you know, if you want to hear about Marsha Gay Harden, she was in uh, Love You to Death. And what was that title? And the Tepid Water Tattoo? Yes. <laughs> A.K.A. the episode we recorded thrice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Are you writing all this down to harken back to in Patreon? Yes. <laughs> it also stars Vincent Riata. He plays Giuliani uh, Manini. Giuliano Manini. Okay. Um, he was in Rome in Love on Hallmark, which came out this summer. Oh, okay. Um, under the Under the Tuscan Sun and the show The Two Popes, which I think is Showtime. Uh, Two Popes is on Hulu or Netflix. It's a Netflix original, I think. Oh, I don't know what I'm thinking of then. Um, Maybe uh, something. Oh, Elton John's on my TV. Well, there you go. It's a good night. Um, who was that other guy? Who was he in Under the Tuscan Sun? Oh, shit. I don't oh, know. You don't have to look um, it up. That's fine. I was just asking. I have no idea. But hold on. I have it. And then finally, we have Paolo Rom- Romia. <laughs> Nailed it. He was 
he plays Raffaele Solicito. Okay. And he has been in a bunch of Italian films that I won't even pretend to know how to pronounce. Do it. Do it. No. No. <laughs> I refuse. Um, Vincent Riotta, he played Martini in Under the Tuscan Sun. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, we open with Larry King, because why not? Why not? <laughs> It's real news clips about the trial. Um, Anderson Cooper, I love you. Please come on the show. Um, cut to Italy. And Lifetime spent some actual cash on this movie because the freaking scenery in this movie is fantastic. Um, a police car pulls up to a house. Um, the officer gets out of his tiny smart car. I always laugh about European police. They're always riding around in tiny little smart cars. I'm like, how do you catch people with those? <laughs> you better. They like harness the wind like a superpower. And then they just mm-hmm. ride on the wind. Mm-hmm. I could outrun a smart car on a bicycle. I'm pretty sure <laughs> if I if I knew how to ride a bicycle, which I don't. So. <laughs> Another reason um, that we deserve each other. Uh, a man he, the officer gets out of his smart car and walks up to Amanda and Raffaele. Um, they really nailed the casting and wardrobe on him, down to that ugly fucking yellow scarf that he wears. No. In that video. <laughs> Um, he asked for Meredith, the police officer, because they found her cell phone. Um, Amanda says she's not home and she's been calling her all morning and now she's starting to get a little freaked out. She's like, because when I came home, the door was open and there was a broken window. And I'm like, hold on right there. Cause let me tell you how much I'm not walking into my own house if the door's open and when I come home. That's a conversation Sarah and I had literally today. Like mm-hmm. after church, I was telling her about this case and mm-hmm. she was like, mm-hmm. why, why'd she go in the house? Right, exactly. Even if I had roommates, if nobody else was appeared to be home, I would not go in the house. Not, no. And if somebody was home, then I'd yell at my roommate for leaving the fucking door open. This is not a barn. No, listen, <laughs> when people say that, if you were raised in a barn, you learn how to shut the door because otherwise the animals escape. <laughs> um, oh, and she's also like, oh, there was also some blood on the floor. And I was like, what were you doing in the house? Um, so Raffaele says they called the police, but apparently these police that came are not the right police. There are multiple police forces in Italy. I had Mm -hmm. to look it up. Yeah. I don't understand how that works. So I'm going to let you talk about it. (laughs) It was the wrong police. (laughs) Um, so they agree to go in the house with Amanda though because she's freaked out which she says while also being super calm and this is what i think everyone kind of glommed onto with her is that she was just like she had like xanax level calmness throughout all of this it was a little bit unnerving right which maybe she was just on some xanax i would understand (laughs) um she shows them around her other roommate um philomena i believe comes home yes the one um, whose window is broken, but nothing is missing from her bedroom. She asks where Meredith is, but Amanda says her door is locked and nobody answered when she knocked. Um, so the police man starts like banging on the door and Amanda calls her parents while she's on the phone. And while she's on the phone with them, the other roommate's friend breaks down Meredith's door and surprise, surprise, her body is inside. The officer kicks everyone out of the house and we cut to Amanda and um, 
Raffaele holding each other outside while police reporter police reporters and the coroner swarm around the house. Could they fit and a we, couple more people in? N- no. <laughs> we freeze frame on that famous kiss between them, which is played over and over and over and over anytime anyone talks about this case until we all die. Um, back in Seattle two months earlier, Amanda is working in a coffee shop. How cliche, like Seattle coffee shop. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) And practicing her Italian, her friend calls her Foxy Noxy for the first time. And the last time. Mm. When she gets home, her parents are throwing her like a big going away party. And they do this thing where they're recording messages to her while she stands right next to them. Like they're talking to the camera and she's right next to them. And I don't. That was a choice that somebody made, and I don't know why. Right. Just want to point it out. It's weird. So three weeks later in Perugia, Italy, Amanda is showing her sister around in the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. It looks like a maternity top, and Hayden Panettiere is very, 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 very clearly not pregnant. Right. (laughs) She runs into the other roommate, uh, Philomena. Do you not remember the time when every girl wore a baby doll top and they were all awful? I do remember that time. I just try to forget it. (laughs) Um, But I also think that I was pregnant during that time. So I actually had a reason to wear that, like the um, pure waist. Right. To death. Yeah. Um, So she runs up into uh, Philomena, putting up a flyer for the apartment. They chat um, about the room and Amanda moves in. She meets Meredith. Um, they go to an orchestra performance, but Meredith dips out early to study, and Amanda meets uh, Raffaele. She feeds him strawberries, and it must be love because we cut to them on a carousel, and everyone knows that's where true romance is born. I want to write a horror film that is on a carousel. Mm. Carousels just remind me of Grey's Anatomy, where... Um, What's her name? Would Spoilers. Always Spoilers. I haven't ever seen. <laughs> oh, she just says uh, there's a line in it. That, they go back to a carousel a bunch. and There's a line that says the carousel never stops turning. That's gotcha. not really a spoiler. It's it just feels line. like spoilers. <laughs> um, he um, so. Raffaele lives in a cave of some sort. It's very dark in his house. He collects Japanese comics and makes authentic Italian food, though, so he's not all bad. Um, Amanda and Raffaele bond over how they were both made fun of in school. Um, That's romantic, apparently, so they skip dinner and consummate their relationship. And the thing that I think she should be in jail for is skipping dinner in Italy. Right? (laughs) What is that? Amanda journals about how happy she is while she and Raffaele walk through town and chase each other in fields and have picnics and shit. Um, I wish you'd tell me how you really feel. Meredith and Amanda get into um, a little fight about Amanda being too messy, but they make up quickly. And Amanda starts telling her all about Raffaele, who she says, quote, looks just like Harry Potter and, quote, has a great apartment. So nerds and caves are in, and I just don't know anything about dating, I guess. (laughs) Um, Can you please make that your Tinder profile? Just nerds and caves are in? Uh, The day I download Tinder, it just... I will intervene for you. Thank you. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, thank you. Um, 
Back to the crime scene. They carry away Meredith's body while a reporter talks about how great of a person she was. And she really was. And I, I hate that she gets kind of lost in this story. Yes. A lot. Because everybody focuses on Amanda. Yes. Um, in the room... Oh, so the detectives think the break-in could have been staged. And in the room where the murder occurred, they found a couple of footprints and fingerprints and decided to start interviewing everyone she knew. Amanda's mom calls her and says she really wants her to come home, but Amanda refuses. Um, the police request Amanda and Raffaele come in for interviews, so naturally they go sit in the waiting room of a police station and make out like you do. God, these are some romantic excursions I've not even yeah. thought about. These are bachelor-level dates. Sarah, we are going level. to a police department to make out. <laughs> <laughs> It's what all the cool kids are doing now. <laughs> I just want to know if she agrees. She, she, she just gave me a what? And then I think she ignored me. <clears throat> so they interview Amanda and she tells the same story. The door was open. There were drops of blood, blah, blah, whatever. They interview Raffaele who, who says... But it's what all the cool kids do. I've never been accused of being cool. Well, would you like to fix that? What would you like to drink? I've got water. <laughs> Thank you. That's how I know true love is real. She won't make out with me in a police department, but she did bring me tuna casserole, so. See, that's, that's, that's the stuff right there. Um, so they interview Raffaele, who says that they called 112, which I guess is the Italian equivalent of 911. I don't know. When I was in Italy, I had no cause to call the police at all. <laughs> okay, now you're just bragging because you've been to Italy. I know. <laughs> oh, I want to go back so bad. Mm. Although I don't want to go back and be embroiled in any kind of crime. Right? Um, That's what I told Sarah in reading this. I was like, we just, we can't even go to Italy at this point. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the police thank them and they leave and walk through town talking about where to stay and whether or not Amanda is wearing underwear. And I like officially can't, this movie is canceled. Like <laughs> They see a memorial for Meredith and we flash back again to one month ago. Amanda is trying to get a job at a bar and she wants to make sure Meredith thinks she looks sexy enough. Like Which is, you I mean, it's a thing girls do. Yeah. <clears throat> she gets the job and Meredith also gets a job offer as a bartender, but she turns it down and says her course load is like too heavy, but maybe in the springtime. Um, back in the present, Amanda and Raffaele are in bed smoking and talking about how they're going to get through this. The coroner goes through the autopsy with the detective who, who is actually the prosecutor. I don't, I don't understand how the law works in Italy. I'm sorry. Yes. So, I'll explain. It's very confusing. I I will explain in the very minorest way possible, insofar as the way that will help us understand the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. They conclude that there had had to have been two attackers. Um. They interview Amanda again, and we see the last time that she and Meredith saw each other. Um. Then the police talk way too much about Amanda's sex life. And what are they investigating here? Like a murder or how often horny 20-somethings have sex? Um, well, I've done the research on that. And the answer is a lot. They're kind of linked, though. I know. But 
I know, but I really... No, they're not really linked. I mean, I don't think that at all. But it just well, seems I think, important. I, I think that the police think they're linked because if she and Raffaele weren't having sex, then that was definitely when she was murdering her friend, right? Oh, that, yep, exactly. That's the perfect post-coital activity, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> or precoital, however, you know, whatever, or pre like whatever blows your dress up, baby, right? Um, also, um, college kids smoke a lot of pot. Can we move on from that now? I, I just, oof. they start asking her again about her morning, and Amanda starts to get annoyed. The detective takes her back to the crime scene and tells her that they think the break in was staged. Amanda has a breakdown in the kitchen because, you know, being in the place where your friend was murdered is like stressful. I can't um, imagine why. No. They escort her out through the paparazzi who are just like around this house. Ugh, I hate it. Um, and take her back to the station. Back in Seattle, Marsha Gay Harden is starting to get concerned. And this is nothing against her parents because this is like an impossible situation. And my son calls me a helicopter mom all the time. And maybe he's just right and I need to deal with it. But if he was in another country going to school and his roommate was murdered and he was having to talk to foreign police in a foreign country about stuff like that, I would have been all up in that shit. Like, <laughs> no, if that's what makes you a helicopter mom, that's not a helicopter mom. I would have been all over it. I would have been on a plane the second. I, I just I don't understand it. But again, her parents didn't do anything wrong. It's just, you know, I'm sure looking back, they wish they'd done things differently. Right. Um, Marcia decides to go to Italy. The detective finds out that one of the shoe prints in the house, not a bloody shoe print, mind you, just a shoe print, belongs to a, uh, a shoe that is the same size as Amanda, which is so nuts since she fucking lives there. Yeah. Okay, Aaron, this poses a really important question that you and I should have hashed out a long time ago. Do you not levitate around your apartment? <laughs> no. Yikes! You're going to be implicated in a murder. I don't know Probably. who's yet, but you're. I also don't wear shoes in my house, and I think the only people Ooh, who are monsters do. Toe so. prints. You're leaving toe prints at the scene of every crime. <laughs> oh man! I was watching an unsolved. No, a um, one of those old '80s shows. What's the other one? Not unsolved mysteries. The other one that we all like. Rescue 911? No, it was the 80s and 90s crime show. show. Um, There's a whole podcast of it now. Hold on, I'll think of it. Anyway, I was watching one of them and they they solved a crime based on a guy's half, like he was barefoot and he left a footprint and they matched his toe prints. Forensic file? That one, thank you. Mm -hmm. That made sense, yeah. Um... So they interview Philomena, who talks about how much she and Raffaele make out, which I can agree is just like so much, at least in this film adaptation. I don't know in real life because I wasn't there. Um, Philomena also says that Amanda said Meredith's throat was slit, which is apparently something only the killer could know, according to the police. The other detective says a store owner identified Amanda in a photo lineup as coming in the morning of the murder and buying cleaning supplies. And wow, I hope I never have to do something like that because... Right? If I've seen your face one time, I will totally pick you out. Like, 
I'll be like, oh yeah, it's that person. Also, how dare she buy cleaning supplies? Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, she was already messy, so... Um... So... Raffaele and Amanda are walking through the square again, and he asks her to meet his dad. And while they're talking about it, the police call him and start call him in to start interrogating him. It gets very yelly very quickly and also very physical. And I was a little bit scared. Yikes. Do they not like do they not tape interviews in Italy? Because I feel like it was like bordering on police brutality. Um. So that's a it was big, like right up against the line. That's a big point of of the actual case. Contention, yeah, okay. So he starts to cry and confesses, I guess. And we cut to Amanda doing cartwheels in the waiting room, which was very Jody Arias of her. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. <laughs> Back in the interrogation room, Raffaele says Amanda went out all night and he didn't know where she was. So he's not confessing, he's just selling her up the river. Um, now Amanda is being interrogated about her Italian and whether she was arranging to meet her boss at the bar that night, or if she was saying, just see you later, if she was saying, see you later or see you later. Right. Mm. I just rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we get an interrogation montage, which is also very yelly and a lot of Amanda crying. Um, Amanda keeps telling the same story. Um, and finally, they tell her that Raffaele says that she went out that night and she says she doesn't remember. The detective says if she doesn't tell them the truth, she'll spend 30 years in prison and never see her family again. And she responds, quote, for what? I didn't do anything, which is a very Fair. good point. Additionally, she's only 19 or 20 at this point. If she goes to jail for 30 years, she comes out at 50. How is she not going to see her parents again? Like, yeah. <laughs> like if 30 years is your only threat. <laughs> mm. They tell her to cooperate and it would be much better for her. She says that she's scared and that she's really tired because she's been in there for like 11 hours at this point. I don't know why that would make her tired. They would not let her sleep. Like she kept asking to sleep and they kept saying no. Um, They tell her to use her imagination and think about what could have happened that night. Could she have gone out and murdered someone? (laughs) And I'm like, that's not how the, that's not how memories work. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, that's inadmissible in court if you say, is it possible that you thought about maybe, like... Look, in Italian court, I'm pretty sure everything is admissible. It would not be admissible here. Um, Finally, she breaks and she says she did meet up with Patrick that night and they went to her house and she heard Meredith screaming and she was scared and she needed sleep or she needs sleep now and she can't remember anything else. Um, they tell her she's now a suspect and has to tell the prosecutor what happened. Um, so she can't sleep. Like she has to go through this all again. I don't like it. So like just knowing some of the stuff that I've been through in my life, the way people torture people is sleep deprivation. That's like the number one way to torture somebody. Right. I learned that from a doctor. I didn't learn that from experience. I've never been tortured in that way. I'm just saying I learned that from doctor. Right. (laughs) Because sleep deprivation can literally make you lose your mind. It's the leading cause of mind control. Like, Mm -hmm. like you can control anybody if you deprive them long enough of sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, so they go arrest Patrick. 
they bring him in and he's got one hell of a black eye and a cut on his face. And I'm like, Jesus, like I thought Italian people were nice. Oof. Um, he says he could never hurt a woman because he has seven sisters and the police like make fun of him for saying that. Um, I'm sorry. All the police are canceled. Every one of yeah. them. Look, I thought the Wisconsin police were bad, but these people, they take the cake for real. They're worse than the Colombian police in that movie about the kidnapping. Right. Hmm. So they go, um, oh, Marsha arrives in Italy to the news that Amanda has been arrested. Um, that goes really well. She's very happy with I, that news. I can imagine, like, she took herself shopping. Yeah, she totally. She, she recreated the entire um, Lizzie McGuire movie. She even sang with a pop star on stage. <laughs> they take Amanda to jail and she asks to call her mom and they tell her no. Fortunately, both her parents are now in Italy, so they go see her. Um, she cries and they hug, and like I actually tear up because it's like horrible. It's just horrible. Um, she talks about her interrogation, which sounds extremely inappropriate. She says that they hit her. Um, they wouldn't let her sleep. Um, they yelled at her. Um, the the inter- the interpreter called her like a stupid liar. Like it was wild. Um. Their time is up and she begs them not to go. And I think that's when I teared up is when she was just like, please don't leave me here. It was awful. Right. Um, Patrick's alibi checks out. So the police are back at square one. And this is all because Amanda lied, obviously, and definitely not because they didn't do their job and also asked her to imagine what could have happened and then used it as gospel. Right. Hmm. Hmm. I'm I'm going to start doing that in my classroom. If I think a kid has considered doing something bad, I'm going to ask them. And then they get punished for it. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. You won't get fired at all. No. <laughs> nope. Um, they also found a fingerprint in Meredith's bedroom that, shockingly, didn't belong to Amanda or Meredith or Patrick or Raffaele. It belonged to this guy, Rudy Gaudet who is now the person Amanda is protecting, even though they have zero information that she even knows him. Oh, okay. Good job, police. Yay. Um, so they're like, we solved the case. Everyone go home. We're done. They're like out for Bellinis before, yeah. <laughs> before so, the sun sets. And then this is where I get irrationally angry. Because you were just normal, like calm up to this point. I was just normally angry until this point. They bring Amanda to see a doctor in the jail. And he tells her he has her blood test results and that she's HIV positive. I did not find that anywhere in my notes. So maybe it didn't happen. I really hope it did. Oh my God. But I think I remember hearing that at some point. So they give her a thing and they're like, you need to write down every person you've ever had sex with. This is so they can, this is just so they can prove in court that she's a slut. We're not going to slut shame because that's not cool. You can sleep with whoever you want. Um, So they track down this Rudy guy in Germany and Amanda sees him get arrested on TV and she flashes back because she did meet him once at Meredith's boyfriend's house. Um, also nobody in this movie can play the guitar and my ears have been assaulted more than once. So, yes. Um, 
Marsha is talking to an attorney who says Rudy claimed to have sex with Meredith, gone to the bathroom, and when he came back, there was a stranger in the house with a bloody knife, which seems suspicious, but he also said Amanda was not involved. So, yay, but not quite yay. Because Patrick is giving an interview on TV saying Amanda has no soul. And I was like, that is way harsh, Ty. Yeah, that's a big leap. Mm. So the doctor tells Amanda, they call her back in after she's made this list. And he's like, hey, I have your final results. We tested it three times. You're not HIV positive. It was a false positive. No big deal. You're that, actually fine. Okay, that's why I didn't find anything about that. Okay. Now that you mention it, I do remember that being a part of it mm-hmm. all. She very justifiably freaks the fuck out on him. And I don't blame her. If she had, like, literally hit him, I wouldn't have blamed her. Right? Um, maybe she did in real life. In, in my version, she did hit him. And then everyone's like, yay, good for you. Um <laughs> Let's rewrite history real fast. Yeah. Several weeks later, Amanda is still in jail and Marsha is also freaking out. The lawyer says the police think Rudy had an accomplice and this self-professed murderer, he confessed sometime in these weeks, has now changed his story to say both Amanda and Raffaele was there. How convenient. Yeah. yeah you don't remember. Aaron, have you ever spent several months... With one story and then all of a sudden remembered it differently and realized you were wrong for all those months that were closer to the event than now? No. Mm -mm. You have not lived. (laughs) Now, he says, Raffaele actually committed the murder while he was in the bathroom listening to his iPod. He came out and valiantly tried to save her. He ran into Raffaele in the hallway with a bloody knife and didn't try to stop him, even though he's huge and Raffaele is Harry Potter without any magical powers. Um, additionally, what the fuck was so important on this iPod that he had to go into the bathroom like, gotta put in my Britney bop real fast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It was our podcast, I hope. <laughs> I don't want him listening to it, sir, turn us off. <laughs> um, he ran to the doorway to see Amanda and Raffaele running away into the night. Oh, God, this if I had a dollar seems, for every time I murdered someone and then ran away into the night. This all seems totally true and not a completely made up lie, right? Yeah, I mean, all of those things have happened in the world. It all checks out. Right. But Marsha is not having any of this bullshit. <laughs> she says the system in Italy is absolutely insane. And I think what you meant to say, Marsha, was completely fucked. But <laughs> that's none of my business. Um, And the lawyer's just kind of like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Marsha has to break the news to Amanda that she could be in there for up to a year while they review the case and decide whether or not to try her. But they're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. Um, Back at the police station, they found Rudy's DNA literally everywhere at the crime scene. But they also found Meredith's blood mixed with Amanda's blood, they say. So now the story is... Amanda was responsible for keeping Meredith under control by holding a knife to her while someone brutally raped her. Like, that's the story. Like BFFs too. Yeah. <coughs> um, and then when that was done, she just killed her. Right. Because, because, you know, you're finished with 
everything. So what else do you need? I uh, I hate this. Yeah. The DNA lady says that's plausible, except there's not a lot of Amanda's DNA. Less than five cells to be exact. Then she says, quote, it's not what the Americans call a smoky gun, but I think it's enough to convict them all. And so Italy is canceled. <laughs> I like, like, okay, so all everything else aside, five cells, not even five cells worth of Amanda's DNA is there. So Raffaele is clearly also guilty. Yeah. Like, like let's just lump them in here too. I'm sorry. I don't know what part of the story is not translating for you. <laughs> I don't speak Italian. Sorry. That's, that's what it is. Um, so they formally announced that Amanda, Raffaele, and Rudy committed the murders. Not that they were being charged with committing the murders. They just announced that they committed the murders. Oh, good. Like, we've we've already solved it. You're all welcome. You don't even need to bring in a jury for this one, guys. We got it. No. Delightful headlines read that, quote, Amanda was a drugged up tart. Oh, thank God. Because I was waiting for a chance to use the phrase drugged up tart. Her parents are like, she's an honor student. Like, what the fuck? Um, and Foxy Noxy is back, so please kill me. Um, ooh, the prosecutor is under indictment for being the worst. Interesting. That's what I typed there. <laughs> Um, another montage of just the insane amount of press coverage this got. And I understand why it was big here and in England and in Italy. I don't really understand why it was big all over the world. Because of the Foxy Noxy moniker. That's big enough to invite the entire world. Like Literally fuck that so much. I hate it. Um, uh, da 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 da. It's trial day. Um, they call her Foxy Noxy again. And I'm just like, let it go. Oh, my God. Um, Rudy's found guilty. Um, and they find that Amanda and Raffaele will also be tried. So it was Rudy's trial. And they were just trying to decide if they were going to try Amanda and Raffaele. Right. Um, they find that um, a week at the trial of Amanda and Raffaele, this prosecutor is such an asshole. Um and also his event, his version of events has changed again and is absolutely absurd. Oh, yeah, because the other one was super believable. <sighs> Meredith's, Meredith's mother testifies and it's horrible and sad. Like, that's all I can say about it. It was awful. Um, Amanda talks to her sister and says she never hurt Meredith. Um, they interview witnesses to their behavior after the crime which i'll admit was stupid but also everyone handles grief differently and look at who you're dealing with you're dealing with two 18 to 21 year olds those people are all stupid right well and shock will do some messed up shit to people yeah for sure um <clears throat> so amanda testifies the prosecutor is still an asshole they talk about the interrogation and her accusation of Patrick. The prosecutor tells a new version of events. This is like, I don't know, the 10th new version of events where Amanda and Raffaele met Rudy to buy drugs. And then they go back to Amanda's flat. They're all high. And you can tell because in our edit of the week, all their faces are scrambled. That's how you know they're high. <laughs> Amanda and Meredith get into a fight, which is what everyone likes to do when they're on drugs. 
drugs yeah. in your buzz. Yeah. Um, so Amanda starts a fight with her and kills her. And I'm sorry, didn't we just convict someone and sentence them to 30 years for killing her? Like, I, I don't get it. Okay, but um, if you want to get real mad, he was... Oh, wait till we get to my part. Oh, okay. it's so shameful. Uh, like On the part so of Italy. In this version of events, the dude that they've sent to jail for 30 years, like, went to the bathroom and just, like, never came back. He disappeared. Look, um, Fran, if you're listening, I need you to fix your people. Yeah, for real. Then Raffaele and Amanda leave, come back to stage the crime scene as a rape and clean. None of this makes sense. They have other roommates. Like, how did she know they weren't going to be home and find the body? None of this makes sense. I'm sorry. Then he says the judges must give them life in prison. Oh, I actually know the argument behind that one. I was really processing. So November 1st is a holiday <laughs> and their two Italian roommates, because they were two exchange students and two Italian local, like natives, they had mm -hmm. gone home to visit their families on the holiday. And so that's how, that was the argument that Amanda's roommates weren't going to find anything. But they were there when the body was found. The next day, November 2nd. Oh. Yeah, so the understand. murder happened November 1st when everyone was out of town, was what the um, prosecutor alleged. Okay. Um, it still doesn't make any sense. So. Amanda visits with her family, and her mom points out that there is literally zero evidence. Um, the DNA expert is testifying now, and Raffaele's attorney rips her a well-deserved new asshole. Um, you let a piece of evidence, they're talking about the bra strap, they let it sit at the crime scene for 47 days before collecting it and testing it. That checks it's out. That there. Didn't we, haven't we already talked once about the maturation of evidence and how you've got to let it grow? Like, I think that was in one of our Patreon episodes, maybe. Oh, you gotta let it grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, now there's a doctor being interviewed on the stand. And he has a half-naked mannequin with him for some reason. Oh, have-naked half, half mannequin will travel. No. He has half a naked mannequin, not a half-naked mannequin. Oh, oh. No, I don't have anything for that. <laughs> um, he says that the fact that the sample is so small that it was probably from contamination in the lab. He says he believes Rudy was the sole perpetrator of the crime, which he then demonstrates on the mannequin. I guess that's why he has it. I don't know why it's not dressed. Um, so then I, Italy just like shoots him on the stand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end of the trial, Amanda speaks to the court about how afraid she is and how vulnerable she is, which made me kind of laugh because that's something we make fun of. Um, the Bachelor starts tomorrow, FYI. And that's something my group group that recaps the bachelor they make fun of because I, of how many times they say vulnerable i read that this is going to be the last year of the bachelor is that true no, no i was way. hoping i was really hoping look i could not be more ready for some mindless entertainment if i tried um are you she, saying the amanda knox story was not mindless entertainment because this sounds like my idea of a friday evening in my sweats Sure. 
Uh, Amanda thanks the prosecution for doing their job and trying to bring justice to a person who was taken from this world, even though they have the wrong person on trial. Um, so after court, she visits with her family. They tell her to keep her hopes up and that the jury like really looked like they were maybe like believing her. Um, Marsha even shows her a plane ticket that she purchased for her to go home, which is really sweet. Um, that's how much she believes she will be acquitted. Um, but she is not acquitted. She's found guilty and sentenced to 26 years. Uh, Raffaele is also found guilty and sentenced to 25 years. Amanda breaks down sobbing. Um, and then Meredith's mother stares down Amanda's mother in this weird like little stare off that they never come back to. Um, they take Amanda out of the courthouse and through just so many people outside. The prosecutor looks very proud of himself and I want to punch him in the face. The ending text says, quote, on October 3rd, 2011, Mean Girls Day, Amanda Knox and Raffaele Solicito were freed after four years in prison when a court of appeals in Perugia, Italy, overturned their convictions for the murder of Meredith Kircher. The court affirmed the conviction of Knox for defamation and for falsely accusing Patrick Lumumba. The prosecution appealed, and on March 26, 2013, Italy's highest court overturned the acquittals of Amanda and Raffaele. Italian law allows a person to be tried twice for the same crime, and Knox and Solicito will now be tried again. End quote. The end. Yep. That is rough AF. Yeah. This was not, like, a really funny movie. It was, like, they stuck pretty close, I think, to the story, which is always super sad. Yes. They did actually stick Sometimes very close. I, Sometimes I like the ones where they just go so far off course, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Right? Uh, you mean like the the one about the sisters? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, now for the true story, which is not much better. Mm-mm. Amanda Marie Knox was born on July 9th, 1987 in Seattle, Washington. Oh, she's a July baby. My son was born the next week. The first time she traveled to Italy, she was 15 years old. On that trip, she visited Pisa, Rome, and the ruins of Pompeii with her family. And then she credits the book Under the Tuscan Sun with her love of Italy at that young age. Her mom gave that book to her. How, like, funny that they had somebody from the movie. That's what I was thinking, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2005, um, Amanda Knox, <laughs> I typed knock in my notes. Um, same, same diff. Right. In 2005, Knox graduated from the Seattle Preparatory School, which is a private school in Seattle. And she enrolled in the University of Washington, where she studied linguistics. She worked several part-time jobs and saved up in order to fund a year studying abroad in Italy, which is something I really wish I'd done. Um, Back whenever I was like a freshman in college, I was pretty fluent in Spanish and I really wanted to go study in Spain, but uh, I could not afford it even if I'd sold all my organs. So <laughs> all of them, all of them. <laughs> um, so on September 20th, 2007, Amanda Knox moved into a house in Perugia, an Italian city known for its universities and large student population. I forgot to mention at the top, and I'm going to do that now so that nobody accuses me of stealing anything. Uh, I got my information from Wikipedia and from several articles on CNN. There was a really good comprehensive timeline on CNN um, that was good. And then 
Um, That's excellent since Anderson Cooper made a little cameo in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, love me some I Andy. I love you, Andy Cooper. Um, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper are like my OTP. I love them. Yeah. I wish they'd just get together already. Um, so, in any case, um, so upon arriving, she met her roommate, Meredith Kircher, who was a British student who was also studying abroad for the year. They shared the apartment with two Italian trainee lawyers who were in their late 20s. And so looking... God, if I, God bless them for renting out rooms to two 18-year-olds because I well, wouldn't have done that. So they were renting in the same apartment. It's not like they were renting out rooms. Um, oh. This was this was a big house that was an apartment house. So there were several mm-hmm. apartments in the house itself. Okay. Uh, so... Um, they had the biggest apartment in the house, but there was also a basement apartment where some boys lived that the, mm-hmm. um, that the girls became good friends with that the, the, the boyfriend the women, I believe, lived. yes. Mm-hmm. And I, because I'm so Southern, I often trip up and say girls instead of women. And I am really trying to fix that, but uh, I just try to say ladies. Yeah. And really now I just try to say people. Right. <laughs> Cause I never know, you know, right. Um, trying to be more woke in 2022. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. It, so it's not that I'm insensitive. I'm just a product of the South and have to fight that. And I know you get so that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so um, these two Italian trainee lawyers, from what I understand, when you go to school to be an attorney, you also have to learn how to, like, be a detective because they suss through all of the... Um, Instead of, like, the detectives telling them what the, uh, you know, what's what's the word I'm looking for that you leave at a crime scene? Evidence, Evidence? is. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I'm super awake. Um, the, the prosecutor has to be able to present it as if they had found it. And it gets real blurred line. And I'm really trying to understand. And it's not a system I'm... I understand. Part of it is that they are based in the Napoleonic Law, um, which comes out of civil law. And American law is out of uh, common law. And mm-hmm. so our practices are just very different as is. Yes. So I'll kind of get more into the parts that are important in understanding how this trial went down whenever we get to the trials. Um, so anyway, Knox quickly found a job at a bar called La Chic, which was owned mm-hmm. by a man named Patrick Lumumba. Um, she was very unhappy with her job. She told her roommates on multiple occasions that she was going to quit because Lumumba was not paying her. Um, but he adamantly denied that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so Meredith Kircher's English friends also reported, so she'd made some friends who were also British or had traveled with them. Um, sure. and so they reported that they rarely saw Amanda when she wasn't working or in class. She was spending a lot of time with the Italian locals. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, and, um, like my sister lived in Italy for a year. That's why I went there. Gotcha. Um, she lived there for a year. Um, and, um, she traveled so much and met so many people. Like it was, I was still super jealous. Yeah. Like I'm reading my Oxford year right now and I just want to move to London for a year. So bad for no reason than just to live there. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, the basement of their apartment house was written, was rented out to some Italian men who grew pretty friendly with Knox and Kircher. Um, one night in mid October, Kircher and Knox were out with the two men who rented the basement apartment. They ran mm-hmm. into an acquaintance of the men's named Rudy, uh, Gede. Is that how you said it earlier? Good day. Good day. It's how they said it on the me. 
Like bidet, but with a G. Gotcha. Because it's spelled G-U-E-D-E, and so I assumed that it was Gwede. But I don't know. So Rudy, um, (laughs) who was invited to join their group for the rest of the night. So like the guys knew him and they were like, hey, just come hang out with us for a little bit. Um, And he winds up kind of showing up like a little puppy dog and hangs around a couple of times. Um, He also winds up killing one of them. Spoiler alert. Don't spoil. I didn't spoil yours. (laughs) Um, So um, that night, Amanda and Meredith spent a couple of hours in the basement of their friend's apartment. Um, or in the basement with their friends, rather, before mm-hmm. retiring to their own beds around 4.30 in the morning. And I'm just exhausted from typing that. That is so late. Even when I was in college, 4.30 was unfathomable. Oh, God. I, Not me. But I've <laughs> always been kind of... I'm, I've always been a night owl, and I've always operated on less sleep than anybody else that I know. So. Right. Um, so Rudy was invited to spend the night in the basement apartment one other time to Knox's knowledge, but he was never invited to any other portion of the apartment house, which of course, since you've already heard Aaron's half is an important part of the story later. Mm-hmm. It sure is. On October 20th, 2007, okay. Meredith began dating Giacomo Silenzi, who was one of the men who rented the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudy visited the apartment later that same day. So... Um, again, he's just hanging around the picture. Mm-hmm. Five days later, Amanda and Meredith were at a concert and that's where, uh, Amanda met 23 year old software engineer student named Rafaele Solito. Solicito. Despacito. <laughs> <laughs> Rafaele Solicito. Um, they began dating and she soon began spending like all of her spare time at his apartment, um, which was only about a five minute walk from hers. So... She was close if she needed to go get new clothes. Like, I get it. Yeah. Um, so now fast forward to November 2nd. And Knox, mm-hmm. Amanda Knox mm-hmm. calls Miranda Kircher's English phone. So she had like... Meredith Kircher? Meredith Kircher. What did I say? Miranda. Miranda. <laughs> uh, Meredith Kircher. So she had like an Italian phone that was for local calls and stuff. But then she had an English phone that had international minutes and stuff. Right. So like back then, and it's different now because I know you like I can, if I put like international minutes on my phone, I can take my phone there now and it'll work. When I went in 2006. 2009 um or 2010 i don't remember um they you had to ha- like you had to have an italian phone to have gotcha like to, to make calls like i had to, i took my phone it didn't work over there and so i only used that like i had like a, a archaic flip phone for the week that i was there gotcha and my sister had her so i had one too that's how we called her <laughs> so um she called her english phone and um, she said that Kircher always kept it in her pocket, but she was not answering the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Amanda Knox then calls Filomeno Romanelli, who was one of the two uh, roommates who were the lawyer trainees. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a mixture of Italian and English said that she was worried that something had happened to Kircher. Um, because when she went to the apartment earlier that morning, she'd noticed the front door was open and that there are blood stains, including a footprint in the bathroom and that, uh, Kircher's bedroom door had, was locked. So yeah, already, that's when I'm like getting the fuck out of the house. Right. That's just, Our little true grime brains are like, people. we need to call someone that's not yeah. my roommate. I remember coming home in like the eighth grade. I walked home from school back then and i came home one day and our door was open 
and I we called like I called someone because nobody else was home. Right. Right. Nobody was there. Um, still, you need to call someone. Like that's important. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Sorry, Sarah's conversation is like really bugging me. I just can really hear her. <laughs> yeah. Let me get up and shut this door real quick. Hold on. Okay. Um, so yeah, so she noticed all these things, the open front door, the blood stains, the locked bedroom door. Um, so then from what I understand, they tried to break into the bedroom door because her door was locked and they couldn't get a hold of her. So they just want to see if she was in there. So they left it noticeably damaged. Okay. So then at 1247 PM, Amanda Knox called her mother, who told her, like, you need to call the police. This is an emergency. Thanks, Mom. So, um, so. I'm just trying to think of, like, I'm trying to, like, I guess it's that she's young. And when you're young, you think you're completely invincible and nothing will ever happen to you. Yeah. And also, I'm trying to justify, or in my mind, like, these are the last moments where she has that in her lifetime. Right. She'll never be able to get that back after no, what she's been through. Absolutely yeah. not. So that's when Solicito calls one of the Ital- one of Italy's national police forces, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it because I'll offend everybody. <laughs> like I'll offend everybody. Newborn babies will cry if I say it. So <laughs> we should have had Fran come on, right? Um, so he gets through to them about four minutes later. Um, He was recorded telling them that there had been a break-in, but nothing had been taken. And the emergency was that Kircher's door was locked. She was not answering calls to her phone and that there Mm -hmm. were blood stains. Okay. So the, the, um, Wikipedia called them police telecommunications investigators. I assume that's like 911 asking like for more details. I don't know, because the people, that's who the people were that came with Meredith's oh, cell phone. You're right. In okay. the movie. Yeah, so they the were like, telecommunications yeah, we're not, investigators. We're, not the police police. we're the technology police. We investigate stolen phones. And I'm like, how boring. God. Right. You're right. Thank you for clarifying that. Clarifying. Oh, God, I love it when I'm right. Ugh. Um, so anyway, so they arrive to inquire about her phone, which um, they... They found an abandoned phone and it happened to be her Italian phone. So mm-hmm. at the time they still don't know anything about the English phone, but they found the Italian phone. That's really so, interesting to me. And I didn't think about it until just now because I don't know where they found it. Right. And so I'm like, where, that makes me wonder like, where had she been or did, they, did he take her phone and then drop it? Some Like it's, it's so right. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, about this time, Philomena arrives and she takes over, explaining the situation to the police, who were informed about her about Kircher's English phone, which mm-hmm. had been handed in as a result of its ringing when Amanda called it. So, it was discovered ringing. It's been turned in. Now they've clarified phone situations. Yeah. Okay. Um. So then, um. When they discovered that her English phone had been dumped and found, um, Philomena demands that they force Kircher's bedroom door open. Um, But the police were like, I mean, I don't think it's worth damaging the private property. And she's like, no, no, no. Listen, you're going to do this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the door was kicked in by a friend of Philomena's because the police wouldn't do it. Yes. And um, Kircher's body oh, is discovered on the floor. She'd been stabbed and she died from exsanguination due to neck wounds. Poor girl. Mm-hmm. According to police reports, her body was partially clothed and her throat had been cut. Oh, so a now, horrible way to die. Yes. So now, three days later, and you mentioned earlier how she kind of gets lost in this whole story. And I feel awful for Amanda Knox. Don't get me wrong. Like that poor oh, girl had to well. deal with so much. But and it's because she, the reason she gets lost is because Amanda is still alive. Right. And so the injustice against her almost, people tend to take it worse because she's still alive. Whereas Mer- poor Meredith is dead right and so people to forget about like but that's horrible like she was a she was a human being like person i oh, and you and i so both sad. know that when we research cases like this the articles are always entitled the murder of mm-hmm. but in this case because it was a massive injustice to amanda knox she kind of gets swept under the rug and so I'm... it reminds me a lot of um adnan syed and uh yep. lee yep where nobody rem- like nobody ever talks about Heyman Lee, who was the victim of a horrible crime, and all they talk about is Adnan, which he needs to be talked about because he didn't do it, and free Adnan. Right. But um, also, she deserves to be remembered as well. Absolutely. So, um... Sorry. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> three days later, on November 5th, Amanda Knox and her boyfriend, Rafaele Silicito, which this time I wrote Solar City, so <laughs> I was really knocked me out of the park. Solicitor. <laughs> were, were detained for questioning. Knox was repeatedly interviewed, ostensibly as someone who might become a witness. So at the time they were they were like, Maybe you were a witness. Maybe, Maybe you not. could become a witness. Maybe you can imagine yourself as a witness. <laughs> Maybe you can become the suspect. Um she told police that on November 1st, which, as I mentioned, was a national holiday. And so they were out of school. Their roommates were gone. Is it? I was about Sorry. to say something offensive, so I stopped. It wasn't just... meant to be offensive, but it would have been. So, well, Like here, it's Dia de los Muertos. I don't know if it's like a similar. Like November 1st is Dia de los Muertos. But yeah, that's a... I don't know. But it is, it might be, because that is All Souls Day. All Souls, yeah. Or All Saints Day. I always forget one comes before the other. Um, So it could be something that it's a relic of that. Um, For me, November 1st was the day my dad had his heart attack this year, so. It's All Saints Day. All Saints, yeah. All Souls is Halloween. I had to really think about it and let you tell me the answer. So there we go. Um, so anyway, the Google she, machine is miraculous. Thing. She told police that on November 1st, she received a text from Lumumba advising her, um, that her waitressing shift for that evening had been canceled. So she stayed over at Raffaele's apartment. Um, only going back to the house she shared with Kircher on the morning the body was discovered. She was not provided legal counsel as Italian law only mandates the appointment of a lawyer for someone who is suspected of a crime. Yes. Police arrested Knox, Solcito, and Lumumba on November 6, 2007. And then charges against Lumumba were dropped a short time later. Because he had like an airtight, an airtight alibi. alibi. 
So, um, at her trial later, she testified that she had spent hours maintaining her original story, that she and Solicito had been in his flat all night long, that she had no knowledge of the murder, but a group of police would not believe her. So she said, quote, I wasn't just stressed and pressurized. I was manipulated. So she, and then she testified to being, um, told by the interpreter that, Quote, probably I didn't remember well because I was traumatized, so I should try to remember something else, Knox stated. They said it was, they said they were convinced that I was protecting someone. They were saying, who is it? Who is it? They were saying, here's the message on your telephone. You wanted to meet up with him. You are a stupid liar. Not cool, bro. Knox also said that a policewoman quote was saying come on come on remember and then slap she hit me then come on come on and slap another one she's a nicer person than i am but also she was exhausted and scared but like i'm like dude if anybody ever slapped me i would fly off the handle she then in her testimony said that she requested a lawyer but she was told by the police that it would only make things worse for her and that she would go to jail for 30 years she also said that she was not allowed access to food, water, or the bathroom. Um, oh my god. Of course she said what you wanted her to say. Are you freaking kidding me? Right. Um, people, that's what that's what all well, these cases come down to is people will say anything to get out of a room at that point. Anything well, you want. Good news is Some police officers said that she was allowed access to food, water, hot drinks, and the bathroom. So since they said she was lying, that clearly she was lying because now two people said. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Then they also said that they asked her about a lawyer and she did not have one. And she was not hit at any time, but she was interviewed firmly but politely. I'd like to see a video of that. Uh Uh-huh. Please. Please uh, and thank you. So under the pressure of it all, she did falsely state that she'd been in the house when Kircher was killed. Killed? Mm -hmm. Was killed. And that she thought the murderer was Lumumba, who Amanda knew that he was working, but she was kind of cornered in all this questioning. And and I get it. Like, I, I get being so tired and so abused that you just say whatever so that you can get out of it. This is like a huge issue with false confessions uh-huh. where they just, they take you, they take you so far to the extreme that you, people will literally say anything to get out of that room. Yep. Also, Laura Dern just won a Golden Globe, so. Good, she her. deserves it. Um, she, so, she deserves one for everything. So. Yep. Her first meeting with her legal counsel was finally allowed on November 11th, six days after she was originally arrested. That is insane. Yep. It, it, it's so interesting because that shit would never fly here. Well. I mean, but also some bad shit happens here too. It's not like our justice system is perfect. Well, it also didn't really fly there. The lead investigator on the case felt so strongly that the arrests were premature and argued about it that he finally had to drop off the case. Because he was like, this is not how things work. And they pressured him mm-hmm. out. Leaving, um... <laughs> A, like a junior detective to be in charge for the first time in in their career. I mean, what you should definitely do in a murder investigation is put someone that's never been in charge of a case before in charge. Yeah, of the biggest case <laughs> at the time. 
because it deals with like international relations and all yeah yeah that should be his first case for sure so on november 20th um 15 days after he was arrested lumumba was released um when his alibi was corroborated he spent the night of the killing talking to a customer in his pub um he -hmm. later sued amanda sued amanda knox for libel and won forty thousand dollars euros in damages that to me like i understand his where he's coming from but it's also really sad because it wasn't her fault right it was the you know it was the italian police if they had not put that idea in her head to begin with she would have never said his name right so before I go on, let me tell you about Perugia and the great big ball of delightful that it is. Mm-hmm. So only stay in Rome, yes? Yeah. So the mm-hmm. city had reportedly not had a murder for 20 years, but its prosecutors had been responsible for Italy's most controversial murder cases. Sure. A former prime minister, Giulio Andriotti, um was oh i skipped a line sorry a charge originated (laughs) by perugia prosecutors that resulted in the 2002 conviction of the former prime minister for ordering the murder of a journalist carmine pecorelli and led to complaints about the justice that the justice system had gone mad then the supreme court took the unusual step of definitively acquitting andriotti the next year so they had tried this guy found him guilty had him like you know, like had him in prison for murder and the Supreme court was like, bruh. And I think that's probably all they said. That was just the end of it. Um, so they like came in and they were like, bruh. And then they left. (laughs) Right. Right. So in early 2002, one of the prosecutors in Perugia, um, and he enjoyed taking a detective like role. Um, and he was later, is this Man- this Manini motherfucker uh-huh, was put in charge God. of the investigation of Kircher. Um, this guy, world class asshole. Yeah, so he arraigned members of a respectable Masonic lodge for conspiracy. Um, he reportedly based the case on a theory involving serial killings and satanic rites, and then he investigated fellow prosecutors for complicity in the plot and appealed dismissals of the charges. So, so he didn't get a bid to the sorority. So he wanted to find out all their secrets. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. Okay. Uh Okay. Um, so then there were no convictions in this case and it finally was just like ended in 2010. So he spent eight years on like a literal witch hunt against these poor people. I can't hear the words witch hunt anymore. We need more words than that. I'm sorry. Um, president search. Is that better? According to a scholar, her research. Impeachment proceedings. There we go. (laughs) According to a scholar who researched law in Italy, um, selective changes to the Italian legal system left it unable to cope when, um, when a prosecutor like, what was his name? Manini. Um, when he used his like powers to the fullest. So the legal system's hands were kind of tied against this douchebag. So he was like literally under indictment while all of this was going on for that other case. Yep. So, which here, at least he puts you on administrative leave way. (laughs) Yes. So during the course of the investigation, um, Blooded stained fingerprints were found on the bedding underneath Kircher's body. 
Um, these fingerprints belonged to good old Rudy, who, when he saw that um, the murder was being investigated, hopped on a plane and flew the fuck to Germany. Like, peace out. I think he might have taken a car, but... Um, like, like I will point out, Amanda Knox would have done if she'd done it. She would have gone home. Uh-huh. So, um, he... And I'll talk about this again in a little bit, but he's extradited back to Italy because he's now a suspect in this case. Um, and then surprisingly, his DNA was later found from a, vi- like in a vaginal swab of the victim's body. That is surprising. Yeah. Because it was clearly Amanda who did it and then put his I, DNA yeah. on that swab. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, um, I'm, my Italian's not great, but. It checks out. I think that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now Rudy, Amanda Knox, and Raffaele are charged with committing the murders to get the murder together. And on November 30th, a panel of three judges endorse the charges and order Amanda Knox and Raffaele to be held in detention pending a trial. Um, Knox says in a formal interview with Manini that she'd been brainwashed by police investigators or interrogators into accusing Labumba and implicating herself. Um, mm-hmm. That, that, that like that her confession could not be taken into account because of all the things we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically was like, cool, bro. And just like walked out. So cool story, bro. So Amanda Knox, then, as you mentioned, became the subject of this unprecedented pretrial media coverage um, oh God. seriously, if I never hear Foxy Doxy ever again, it'll be too soon. Right. Um, so on November 22nd, 2007, um, the text of a note that she wrote while in police custody is published on the CNN website and other media outlets. And, um, Knox addresses her alleged confession saying, quote, in regards to this confession that I made last night. I want to make clear, or I made that night, I want to make clear that I'm very doubtful of the verity of my statements because they were made under pressures of stress, shock, and extreme exhaustion. Not mm-hmm. only was I told I would be arrested and put in jail for 30 years, but I was also hit in the head and I when I didn't remember a fact correctly. Um, we're going we're gonna to play it fast and loose with the word fact, right? Right. <clears throat> in December of 2007, Rudy tells the police that... Um, he had sexual relations with Kircher, but that another man came in and killed her while he was in the bathroom. Yes. So this is also what got me where in the movie, and I don't, I can't speak to what happened in, in real life. That's your job. But <laughs> in the movie, they're investigating it and they're like, oh, the guy asked if she was raped and he says, oh, it could have been, it could have just been like very rough consensual sex. And I'm like, when someone's been murdered, like, let's go ahead and assume that it was rape until we rule that out definitively. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I don't know. So it, it, it just, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. It, it's, it's like slut shaming the dead. Like, Oh, she just had rough sex. Like, I mean, if that was her thing, good for her, but I, right. It, I don't like it. So on, I don't like any of it. Then on July 11th, 2008, um, Knox and uh, Rudy and Raffaele were formally charged with murder. So then Rudy asked for a separate fast track trial. 
He claims that he fears that Amanda and Raffaele have formed a pact against him. And his defense attorney says, quote, in recent weeks, a lot of poison has been spread by the defense teams. And we feel the necessity to find some form of serenity in a separate hearing. You know what I have for you, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Did you just pull out a Wonka bar with a golden ticket? (laughs) No, I just put up. Both my middle fingers. I hate this. Um, so now in the Italian legal system, and I told you I researched this and it was so confusing to me um, just because I didn't have enough time to to really dedicate to researching this. But yeah. a typical murder, murder trial is heard by a court made up of two professional judges who are, I think, just like attorneys are called judges in this instance. But I'm not sure now. Um, it's like the, the the prosecutor is also the detective. Yes, actually. So that comes into play too. And then there are six lay judges, which is essentially the jury of your peers. Italy, you make no sense. Um, however, a defendant can opt for a fast track trial, which is a procedure in which the court becomes actively involved in the investigation of the facts rather than being an impartial third party who just susses through information looking for reasonable doubt. <coughs> Okay. So he gets this fast track trial, which um, my understanding, they tend to be found guilty more often, but the sentences tend to be less. Right. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, he had fled to Germany on November 19th, 2007, which was 12 days after the murder was reported, um, or 14 days rather, um, he was on Skype with one of his friends talking about the night of the murder. And in this conversation, according to his friend's testimony, he did not mention Amanda or Raffaele being in the house at all the night of the murder. Could it be because they weren't there? Mm, no. Sorry. Are you sure? Because I feel, I feel like we keep coming back to the fact that they weren't there. Um, well, so the next day he gets arrested in Germany and between that arrest and his extradition back to Italy on December 6th, his story has changed to now indirectly implicate Knox and Raffaele. Um, so he, um, he was not charged and here's where it all breaks down for me. And I, this was where I got mad in your story, but I was like, hold on, wait till I tell you. So he is Mm -hmm. found guilty in this fast track trial of murder but he is not like the judge's statement specifies that he did not have a knife or stab the victim and that he had not stolen any of her possessions and he was not charged at any point with having a knife so he killed her because she died of stabbing in a slit throat but he didn't hold the the murder weapon I don't know what you're so upset about. This all makes sense to me. <laughs> so, oh God. Oh, my God. Um, this is a fucking nightmare. Well, and then, um, let's see that he, so that, so then the, like, official statement was that he must have had an accomplice and gave support to the later later prosecution of Knox. So they took this report from his conviction and used it as evidence in the case against Amanda Knox that because this guy was found guilty and must have had an accomplice, that Amanda Knox must have been that accomplice because a piece of paper said that he had an accomplice. Yeah. 
Hence all the red threads that I had on the wall when I heard this case was happening. I'm waiting for you to tell me something that... Illogical, right. Proves that, proves that she wasn't there. Right. I mean, come on now. Oh, well, I'm getting there. So okay. the judges reasoned in Knox's case now, the judges reasoned that Rudy would not have faked a burglary because it would have pointed to him in view of his own earlier break-ins because he had a history of breaking in and burglarizing. So like... No, what points to him are his fingerprints and DNA at the scene, not the fact that he's burgled someone before. <laughs> stop. Stop, God, I Aaron. feel like I'm taking you, crazy pills. You, you live in a fantasy world where things make oh sense. So, um, okay. so he also said in his statement, like in his testimony, he said that Kircher had let him into the house through the, like he knocked, she opened the door, they had sex. That's his story always but i mean that's what i do when people come to my house well that like that's the order of events, i open the least. door we have sex like that's just how you enter my home right that's how i greet people so totally normal. the judge in his case is like well there's no chance that he got in just by knocking on that door so someone had to let him in that wasn't her like even though his testimony has been from day one that she opened the door because he was an acquaintance of her boyfriend's. So she knew him. That means nothing. <laughs> so, um, in his original account, he said that Kircher's confrontation with the killer had started in the entry door to the house. Um, and so one legal commentator on the case thought that insufficient consideration had been given to the possibility that he had called at the house with some pretext, like that he'd found a reason to be there when she was alone and murdered her after she opened the door and then faked the burglary. Um, the uh, Clearly the um, Italians, like the Italian court did not consider all sides is what this analyst is saying. Clearly. Right. So Clearly. on October, in October, 2008. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm buying what he's telling. Right. Let me tell you. So then in October, 2008, he's found guilty of sexual assault and murder of Kircher. He's sentenced to 30 years imprisonment, but good news. It was reduced to 16. <laughs> nothing left to give you. On January 16th, 2009. Oh. On January 16th, 2009, Amanda and Raffaele's murder trial finally began. And um, reporters from all over the world attended. There were so many people in this courtroom that some of the reporters were allowed to sit at the defense table because of the limited space. And like, Italy, are you okay? What is wrong with you? No, no, they're not okay. Listen, this whole movie i was like i know there's a lot of wine in italy are they drinking all the time is everybody just wasted over there what is happening so um they pleaded not guilty at the court um and this was so they're being tried in like the long-term court where it's got a jury and two two judges Mm. instead of the Mm -hmm. fast track so they plead not guilty go figure um because they're not guilty right and the charges that were brought against them were um murder sexual assault carrying a knife 
simulating a burglary and theft of 300 euros, two credit cards and two mobile phones. So in the movie they were also credit or they were also charged with transporting a knife. Oh. Carrying it. <laughs> you have to apply for a apartment to carry a knife from the kitchen to the stove like from the kitchen drawer to the stove i don't know what the fuck is happening at this point really um so then of course there was or not of course because i haven't mentioned it before but there's a separate but concurrent trial with the same jury who's already listening to her murder trial um who is now listening to the trial to the hearing against her because of the defamation case against her boss um so which that one again i understand but i don't now Knox's he really should have sued italy right if he could sue italy but he should well we'll talk about what happens to italy at the end of this this is the most recent development in this hurrah so um then eventually thank god for the smallest of miracles Knox's police interrogation is deemed improper and ruled inadmissible for her trial you are joking. <laughs> right? What about that was improper, I, I asked. D- I have no idea. You know, this the, the same police interview where she accidentally confer- confessed to being a murderer. Um, that everybody still holds against her. Like, s- people still hold against her today. Um, oh, I know. Well, And even... I know. So during the trial, the prosecution claimed that Knox's first call on November 2nd, the one to Kircher's English phone, was to find out if either of Kircher's phones had been stolen or had been found after she dumped them. They also then um, said... I don't want to interrupt you, but if Meryl Streep wins this Golden Globe for Big Little Lies, I'm about to lose my shit. So. Well, she should. Like, Hold on. Hold on. I watched it. No. Who won? Patricia Arquette won for the act, which is the show about um, Patricia Arquette. For about uh oh, what's her name? Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so she that's well deserved too. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, sorry. The Golden Globes are on tonight. Yeah. So um yeah so she allegedly called Karcher's phone to see if the phones had been found. So then she um. She and Celicito tried to break into the bedroom because after they locked it behind them, they realized they'd left something that might incriminate them in this room. You sure. know, and like, when they couldn't, like Rudy's when they DNA. When they didn't get in and then there was nothing incriminating them in there, they were just like, oh, we must have left it somewhere else. Yeah. And they moved on. Their day. Um, that's the knife they transported. <laughs> That's why they were charged with it. So, um, is everyone in Italy drunk? Then they also staged the phone call to her mother to try to feign innocence and concern at a time that a roommate would not be concerned unless she knew something was wrong. How do you stage a phone call that actually took place? <laughs> they had a script. I just want to know. I just want to know. They had How a script. A phone call. What happened? It's like a choose your own adventure script. Like they have several options for what the mother's response might be. Sure. And she's so like this flipping point, through pages wildly to get to the next response. Is Marcia Gay Harden in on it at this point? <laughs> yes. Or did she also do it? Yeah. Oh, okay. She okay. did it over the phone. They just held the phone out like this. Murder my phone. Yeah. I've um, totally seen that before. That's a thing. <laughs> so, um, 
Then the, a witness from the prosecution, who is a homeless man named Antonio Caratalo, um, he said that Amanda Knox and Solicito were in a nearby square on the night of the murder. Mm. So they've got him, they've got them like placed near the crime scene, especially because she said that they were in all night. Prosecutors advanced. Um, I just want to point out again. She lives there. It's not completely unfathomable that she's in the area. Right. Especially she lives there. His apartment's only five minutes away, like a five minute walk. So you can see it practically from her apartment. So um, then prosecutors pull out their ace in the hole, a single piece of DNA fragment that links Solicito to Kircher's bedroom that that is a fragment of his DNA on her bra clasp. That was left there for 47 days before they tested it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all checks out. Yeah. This all checks out. So, I mean, they... they. God, I should go be a lawyer in Italy. I bet I could kill it. So mm. then... That's so good. Julia Bongiorno, who leads um, Solicito's defense is a badass by the way. So her immediate mm-hmm. question is like, so his DNA is She's the one that ripped the DNA expert, a new asshole. It's a, uh-huh. it was amazing. Yeah. That's watch. what I'm about to come up with. So I loved it. She, um, she points out that the DNA is on the metal clasp, but not on the like backstrap of the bra itself from which it was torn. Mm-hmm. So she says, how can you touch the hook without the cloth? Like <laughs> you dumb idiot. Yeah, he, clearly, she's never taken off. He pitches it during the like throes this. of passion. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so welcome then, to our longest episode ever. I don't know. The first one was two hours, two and a half hours. I don't care. This is um, the best thing ever. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> so then, the backstrap of the bra did, however, have multiple traces of Rudy's DNA, but pff, that's neither here nor there. No. He was, he, he had consensual sex with Meredith. He said so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, God, that, poor, that poor girl, that poor girl. Oh and so God. then the prosecution reconstructs the crime. Amanda attacked Kircher in her bedroom and repeatedly banged her head against a wall, forcefully held her face and tried to strangle her. Then Rudy... Knox and Solicito removed Kircher's jeans and held her on her hands and knees while Rudy sexually abuses her. And then Knox cuts Kircher with a knife before inflicting the fatal stab wound, then faked a burglary. We wrapped it up. That makes the most sense ever. Aaron, why are you looking at me like that? This is a completely <laughs> logical reconstruction. Believe me for everyone. So then the judge pointedly the asked fuck? Knox... The judge like pointedly asked her a number of details, especially concerning her phone calls to her mother and to Philomena, which as you know, as you and I have both said, that is the kind of most incriminating part. Like it's the fishiest part that she did not just immediately call the police. It is. It Uh, 100% is. You will notice, however, that nowhere in any of this, is there any trace of motive? Like, I'm still unable to discern what the prosecution asserted the motive was. And I know not every case requires motive, but you don't go from completely average law-abiding citizen with no criminal history straight to murder without, like, something in between. So, in the movie, it was Philomena testified that um, 
Because they argued over her being dirty? Because they argued over her, like, being messy. And okay. so, like, that escalated to murder for some reason. Well, yeah. Instead of, like, any of the more myriad of things you can do when your roommate is messy. Which right, is like, passive-aggressive. Passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Oh, God. So, the defense suggests, of course, that Rudy is a lone killer who murdered Kircher after breaking in. Um... Knox's lawyers point out that there are no shoe prints, clothing fibers, hairs, fingerprints, skin cells, or DNA of Amanda's anywhere near the crime scene. Like, anywhere at the immediate crime scene. That, like, that yes, nothing. Why do you keep bringing that up? <laughs> um, let's see. They weren't found on Kircher's body, her clothes, her handbag, or anywhere else in her bedroom. The prosecution then alleges that all forensic... This is my favorite part. I can't say it with a straight face. Oh, Jesus. The prosecution says, well, yeah, that's because Amanda and Raffaele just wiped away all the traces of their DNA and left only Rudy's. (laughs) Wait, is that your DNA or my DNA? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like this case was investigated by a bunch of bumbling fucking idiots. It's literally clowns. And they're like, every every time they present (laughs) new evidence, it's just a balloon dog. God, what happened to the circus music? We need to bring that back. We only paid for one episode's (laughs) worth of rights. Wait, we have a subscription now. I'm sure we can find some more. Something similar, yeah. Yes. Because this is 100% circus music time. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yep. So, um, Rudy's DNA, as I mentioned earlier, was found on her bra strap, which had been torn off. And his DNA, as I mentioned before, was found in the vaginal swab taken from her body. His bloody palm print was on a pillow that had been placed under her hips. His DNA mixed with Kircher's was on the left sleeve sleeve of her bloody sweatshirt and in blood stains inside her bag from which the 300 euros and two credit cards had been stolen. You say all of this like it means something. <laughs> Both sets of defense lawyers requested the judges to order independent reviews of evidence, including DNA and the compatibility of wounds with the alleged murder weapon. The request was denied. So at some point they come across a knife in Solicito's kitchen that has his and Amanda's fingerprints on it, but no DNA evidence of Kircher at all. That doesn't mean anything. Right. So, like, you know, I just want to point out to, like, you're not only fucking with Amanda Knox's life and Raffaele solicitor's life, (laughs) (laughs) but this Meredith Kircher's family is having to sit through this absolutely absurd trial. When these two were clearly not involved. Right. And they're having like the Italian police, I'm sure, convincingly try to tell them that they were involved. Yeah. When they weren't, you're putting this family through so much pain. Yeah. It's awful. They're having to relive the murder of their daughter, sister, whatever, over and over and over again because you keep changing how it happened. Right. It's awful. Yeah. So when the defense requests that they retest the DNA through an independent source and not the source linked to the police department, uh, it's denied. Cool. So in the final pleas to the court, 
Um, Raffaele's lawyer describes Amanda as a weak and fragile girl who has been duped by the police. And Knox's lawyer points out all the text messages between Amanda and her roommate showing that they'd been good friends. Like, yeah. You know, but apparently none of that matters because no, on December... one day she woke up and was like, I'm going to kill her. And then they did. On December 5th, 2009, Knox, who's 22 at this point, is convicted on charges of faking a break-in, defamation, sexual violence, and murder, and is sentenced to 26 years in prison. So Lacito's sentenced to 25 years. Um, and so... Um, in the United States, of course, the verdict is like widely viewed as a miscarriage of justice. But in Italy, the media had really morphed Amanda Knox to look like some kind of awful human being. And one of the quotes that uh, a journalist from Italy, no, a jurist, sorry, jury, uh, somebody who said on the jury remarks, this is the simplest and fairest criminal trial one could possibly think of in terms of evidence. I'm sorry, I missed the part <laughs> where it was fair. Or simple, or evidence, or like mm. yeah, none um, of those words make sense to me. So, um, on November twenty fourth, two thousand ten, um, so almost a year into their um, imprisonment, Knox and Solicito's murder appeal process begins. The hearing lasted about 15 minutes on the 24th before the judge adjourned until December 11th because one of the lawyers could not be present. Um, so Amanda's attorney then explains to newspapers that um, the rather than the prosecutors having to prove that Amanda is guilty, quote, we have to prove her innocence, which is much more difficult to do. So the court... See, and this is why, and, and maybe it's, I don't know, because here it's the burden of the state to prove guilt, not the burden of the defense to prove innocence. Right. Supposedly. Right. Now, there's. Depends on how rich and white that, you are. That is what it's, how, that's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Right. Unfortunately, that's not always how it works, but. Um. It's just unreal to me that they're having to prove her innocence instead of the state having to prove her guilt. Yes. So the appeals court um, orders a review of all of the contested DNA evidence by independent experts and noted numerous basic errors in, ga in the gathering and analysis of the evidence. I know you're shocked. I can see it on your face. I am. I agree. Have you ever seen that gift that like pretends to be shocked? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and they finally the court concludes that there is no evidential trace of Kircher's DNA on the murder weapon like I mentioned earlier um, their view found that forensic police examination showed evidence of multiple males DNA fragments on the bra clasp um, which had been lost on the floor for 47 days the court appointed expert how did you leave evidence on the floor for 47 days yeah so the court appointed expert testifies that this context suggests contamination. In fact, um, one of the people who's not like a, a forensic expert who was not involved in this case, but who talked about it later said that the minute amount of DNA that was found on that bra clasp was most likely found by somebody who'd put on a glove and opened the doorknob that had mm -hmm. Raffaele's DNA on it and DNA then picked that it. up. Transferred it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
So on October 3rd, 2011, Knox and Solicito were found not guilty of the murder. Hurrah. Hold on. I know. I know. Yep. So, um. I mean, can we just pause real quick? They're doing a tribute to Tom Hanks. I mean, can we just, we just talk about how, what an American hero he is? America's dad. I love Tom Hanks. So, um. On March 26, 2013. So Amanda books it the hell back to the U.S. Uh, as she should have in the very beginning. <laughs> like, she didn't even wait when for it. When my mom called me and said, you should come home, I'd have been like, yep, I should. She, she didn't even like, wait for a plane. She's like in a kayak. No just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so on March 26, 2013, Italy's highest court, the Supreme Court of Cassation, set aside the acquittals. Um. On the grounds that ha- that it had gone beyond the like purview of the court by not ordering new DNA tests and by failing to give weight of circumstantial evidence, such as Knox's accusation of the bar owner. So, like, since you didn't talk about that she implicated someone else, you did it all wrong. I mean, they did a lot of things wrong. <laughs> no, nope. like. Just, all the, just, they, did, they did all the things wrong. Just all that, of it, just all that of it. one thing. Just throw the whole thing out and start over. Um, like this is garbage. We need to start over. <laughs> so, uh, a note that Amanda Knox composed in the police station, which did not mention Rudy, was regarded by the Supreme Court as confirmation that she and Rudy were present at the apartment when Kircher was attacked. Sure. Uh-huh. And then uh, a retrial was ordered. Knox was represented, but she refused to leave the United States. And honestly, I would have to fuck that. Well, for real, though. <laughs> I would have been like, no, bitch. You come here with your warrant and take me. So the judge... Because I think at this point, I think the U.S. government... Or I like to believe that they would have intervened. I mean, like, we can clearly see that you were all idiots and she did not do this. So right. we're going to keep her here and you guys go over there. Listen, like, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to do this without us. We're real busy ignoring you. We're just going to recuse ourselves from this entire investigation. Thank you and good night. <laughs> so the judge at this retrial um, grants prosecution a request for analysis of previously unexamined DNA that was found on a kitchen knife of Solicito's. So, um, we're back to this knife that was found in his kitchen, not at their apartment, not with any of Kircher's DNA. Um, but the forensic police report that Kircher's DNA was on it. And then this conclusion was discredited by court appointed experts at the appeal trial. So like they're now trying to go in circles with the appeal trial. Hmm. Um, when the unexampled, when the unexamined sample was tested, no DNA of Kircher's was found. So naturally, since there was no evidence pointed pointing to Amanda Knox and her boyfriend, they were found guilty fucking again. Can you? Honestly, I think at this point, if I were Amanda Knox, like I would have to laugh and be like, "Of course I'm like, of course I was found guilty." Like, uh huh. So. Um, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. The judges then, in their written explanation, d- explain how Rudy's verdict report was the reference they used in deciding that he did not work alone and that it had to be Amanda Knox um, and and Raffaele. Um, it did not... Sure. So they did not even consider the possibility that he'd been responsible for the break-in. 
So finally, on March 27th... Did they consider that maybe he knocked on the door and she opened it because she knew who he was? No, they in fact wrote explicitly in the report that that couldn't have happened. In his original trial. So on March 27th, 2015... The ultimate appeal by Knox and Solicito was heard by the Supreme Court of Cassation, and it ruled that the case was without foundation, thereby definitively acquitting them of the murder. Her defamation conviction was upheld, but the three-year sentence that was supposed to go with that defamation conviction, that judge was like, you have done enough. You No, time served is more than enough. (laughs) So, um... Rather than merely declaring that there were errors in the earlier court cases, the judge was like, there was no evidence to convict. This case should have never happened. No, no. Okay, so you're telling me if there's <laughs> one judge in all of Italy that can be trusted, yes. one. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so on... At least he sits on the highest court in the land. Like, oh God. On September 7th, 2015... The court published the report on the acquittal, citing, quote, glaring errors. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. My favorite. Investigative amnesia. <laughs> That's our episode title. Investigative amnesia. That's it. Perfect. Um, and guilty omissions. Where a five panel judge said that the prosecutors who won the original murder conviction failed to prove a quote whole truth to back up the scenario that Knox and Solicito killed Kircher. They also stated that there were sensational failures in the investigation. Well, that's just our titles. Um, (laughs) That there were sensational failures in the investigation and that the lower court had been guilty of culpable omissions in ignoring expert testimony that demonstrated contamination of evidence. Sensational failures. That is one way to put it. So fast forward three and a half years to January 24th, 2019. The Mm -hmm. European Court of Human Rights ordered Italy to pay compensation to Knox for violating her rights in the hours after her arrest in Perugia. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. So, I mean, it wasn't Mm -hmm. enough, but Italy was ordered to pay her about 20,000 U.S. dollars um, for not providing... about half of what she had to pay that other guy that they told her committed the crime and then he sued her? Yeah, okay, sure. Um, For not providing her with either a lawyer or um, a competent interpreter when she was first in custody. Cool. So now... After returning to the United States, Knox completed her degree and worked on a book about her case. She was often followed by paparazzi. Her family had incurred large debts from the years of supporting her in Italy and were left... No shit. Oh my God. Yeah. And they were left so broke. So all of her, the proceeds from her memoir, Waiting to be Heard, have gone to pay the legal fees and to like pay back her family. Well, I I, I can't even imagine because I... I can't imagine having to be in that situation and having to scrounge up all of this money right. for a defense in a foreign country and travel. Like I'm going to have to travel and like, it's uh-huh. horrible. Oh my God. So Knox has been a reviewer and journalist for the West Seattle Herald, which was later bought into the West sides into West side Seattle. Uh, she attended events for the innocence project 
and several related organizations. In a 2017 interview, Knox said she was devoting herself to writing and activism for the wrongly accused. She hosted a series called the Scarlet Letter Reports on Facebook, um, which examined the gendered nature of public shaming. Um, she also hosts a podcast I was talking about earlier today, The mm-hmm. Truth About True totally Crime. Check out. So it is so good. It's like a serial. Like she focuses mm-hmm. on one case for an entire season or like one event so this first season is jonestown um it's oh and i'm obsessed with jonestown uh and it's super well researched and it's interviews with people who actually knew him like it is so well done um so she also and i told you she has there's a documentary on netflix it's an hour and a half documentary called amanda knox and it's kind of like really she had a big hand in it and so she's in it and she does gives interviews and things. It's incredible. It actually was nominated for two Emmys. Wow. I'll have to watch it. It's um, really, really, really good. Uh, it, it, it's really good. Yeah. She So in June of 2019, she returned to Italy for the first time. And Can you even imagine? I don't know if I could ever go back. She was I a, mean, good for her. She was a keynote speaker at a conference on criminal justice where she was part of a panel titled Trial by Media. They and they mention that in the movie where they talk about the. It's when Marsha Gay Harden meets Amanda's um, defense attorney, and he says like, "Oh, child by media is a big thing here. Like this is going to be really bad." Yeah. So that is Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox. I mean, I mean that is a. It's one of the big ones. What I will say is she is a fucking survivor. She's a who, fucking superhero. My God. Who I am obsessed with and who. Well, you can, she, her home, she uses her home as an Airbnb. You can go stay with her. Let's do it. Oh my God. We should. That'd be so fun. Right? In Seattle. Mm-hmm. You can rent her home on Airbnb. Yes. <clears throat> I just, you know. It's so interesting because I remember following this so closely and I remember like thinking all the time, like, man, that's super fucked up. That's super fucked up. But when you put it all together in one line and talk about it for, I don't know, the last four hours that we've done. Right. This is beyond fucked up. Like, I don't understand any of this. Like, this should have never happened to her. Right. And also this should have never happened to Meredith. This should have never happened to Meredith's family should never happen to Raffaele. Like it, 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 it's just a miscarriage of justice from beginning to end. It's awful. Yes. Like, I feel like nobody in this case got justice. Nobody. Absolutely. It's awful. Well, and I feel so, I just wonder, it's just because of the, the scene in the movie where Amanda's mother and Meredith's mother kind of stare each other down. I wonder how the Kircher family like feels about all of this. Right. It's so sad. Well, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they've had to relive this so many times over now. Over and over and over and over for no reason. Well, that is the case of Amanda Knox. And the case of Meredith Kircher. The ca- the murder of Meredith Kircher. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the risk of going just a million 
years long on this. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Yes, at Lifetime Sentence. And on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send us an email at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, every week we, well, so we did take the last two weeks off from Patreon. Just one week. One week. Just, just one? one week off. I feel like it was two, but okay. Then only one. No, because I did the Christmas poem. Yeah, but today is the second week. Right? Oh, yeah. I just thought we were going to post this immediately. The next episode. Yeah. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> okay. Well. See, guys, we are the consummate professionals you've come to know and love. We sure are. Um, mm-hmm. In any case, we are covering Unsolved Mysteries um, and always taking new suggestions over at Patreon. And I might put it up in the new year. I'm thinking about it. I don't know yet. We kind of get to just go off format and talk for 40 minutes or so. So yeah. whatever it is, join us at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. 100% please do. Like there are like 50 more episodes you can listen to us talk. And most importantly to us, to make sure that others can find us and that we keep this thing going because one year is a big deal and we want to see two. Mm-hmm. Um, rate, review, subscribe, tell your yes, friends, please. stand on mm-hmm. a building and yell about it. Oh, God, please stand on a building and yell about it. Send us the video. We'll play it on the podcast. Hire a, um airplane. Hire what, an airplane with our name. Yes. Do performance art about us. Look, we just. Yeah, totally. We need you. We are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But for real, please rate, review, subscribe. Mm -hmm. It means so much to us. It really does. Uh, Until next time, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Wait. Oh, don't eat your vegetables yet. Don't eat your vegetables yet because I need you. Oh, God. We haven't picked numbers in a long time. I know. Um, I need you to pick. Hmm. Uh, let's see. It's the fifth, so let's do three. Okay. Between one and forty-five. Oh God. Okay. Um. Let's go with sixteen. Okay. Ooh, that's gonna be a good one. Let's okay. Go with nineteen. Wait, don't pick that one. Pick okay. A one. So 16 and 25. Okay. And. Ooh, our first twofer. 41. Okay. And six. Okay, listen, it's about to get fucking lit in here. New year, new us. What did we pick? I am Elizabeth Smart. Yes. Untouchable. The Drew Peterson case. No way. Getting gaudy. Our first twofer. Is yes. And no one could protect her. I don't know what that's about, but it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be a big week for us. I mean, a big month that's for us. exciting. Well, that'll get us into February, so... Because we did four. Mm-hmm. What was the last one you said? I just want to write it down. No one could protect her. Thank you. All I could think of was she made them do it. And I was like, can't come up with the so real one now. What do you want to do first? 
Um, let's do getting gaudy. All right, our first twofer. Let's do getting gaudy. I'm excited. Now, don't forget <laughs> to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.